1: Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad.
2: They gotta be some tight asses, don't you think? Oh, they take it (laughs) very seriously.
1: Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. We have a lot of playmakers. Uh, We have a lot of guys that can do um, some great things with the ball in their hand. So um, they can't just focus on one guy. They can't focus on two guys. Um, They really have to play us. uh, They have to play kind of everybody. I think this is the reason why you go back to that game in 2015, and
3: um, you know, yeah, we were upset, but we knew we'd be back here. Um, there was no reason to panic or freak out. That that was our one shot to do something.
1: Adam Thielen and Kyle Rudolph. Uh, here, here's another, a fun either or question that you asked off the uh, off the air. So, Pat Shermer, according to a TV station in Phoenix, is the front runner to take that Cardinals job. It's possible he could wind up taking free agent Case Keenum with him there. So the question you posed off the air is: What will be the bigger loss for the Vikings, offensive coordinator Pat Shermer or Case Keenum, starting quarterback? And I say Pat Shermer. I agree. Case Keenum. See that wasn't that wasn't. See we agree on. So some you liked today. my
3: logic there. See that that worked. Now Case Keenum. I think Shermer's a little old though. I'm not sure.
1: <laughs> Case Case has had
3: for as good of a year as he has had. That's going to get him paid a lot of money, probably over at minimum, what, a three-year contract? Minimum? Might be more. Um, so if I was to take my pick of which one I would least like to see leave the building and never come back, it's Shermer. Shermer's come in and done an unbelievable job. He he coordinate, coordinated this whole thing for Bradford during the summer. That worked for exactly one game, and, yeah. by, and by the way, worked perfectly for one game. Bradford gets hurt. Keenum comes in. He's been great. And Shermer to me has delivered what we have seen from this offense from a play calling standpoint this year has been the very reason why it's been frustrating to watch uh, previous Vikings OCs at times. And they coordinate things, and the play calls come in, and you're like, that didn't make a lot of sense. That. I have seen a few here and there, uh, Shermer play calls be questioned, but my whole point has been just stop because Pat Shermer, if you look at the uh, totality of the work he has done, has been fantastic. And how many play calls have you truly said? That made no sense. So if if you gave me my choice, if I could keep one, I would actually keep Shermer and get him a quarterback, possibly Teddy. Uh, and let Case walk because if Case signs that massive contract with you, and this was a one-year pop-up, guess what? You're stuck with those payments.
1: Yeah, and I don't. I'm not going to dismiss Case Keenum as well. I mean, he's just replaceable. To to find a competent starting quarterback in the NFL, regardless of the circumstances in which he's being propped up by great receivers or an offensive coordinator, it's not to be taken for granted. But to your points off off the Pat Shermer uh, angle, I'll add this. Pat Shermer is the common denominator underneath career seasons by Case Keenum and Nick Foles with the Eagles. Now, Chip Kelly was the head coach. He was the offensive mastermind in, uh, in Philadelphia in 2013. So Pat Shermer doesn't deserve full credit, but nobody really deserves full credit for any single entity. But if I'm looking at the Eagles in 2013 and Nick Foles... Threw 27 touchdowns and only two interceptions in 10 games. Mm-hmm. 10 games. Mm-hmm. So a 35-touchdown pace. And uh, and w- he would have gone over 4,000 yards if he played the full season. Had a 119.2 passer rating. It was one of the great seasons of the last 15 years of NFL quarterbacking. For Nick Foles. And it was Nick Foles. Yep. And Pat Shermer was his offensive coordinator and quarterback whisperer. And Case Keenum is going to get MVP votes this season. And Pat Shermer is his offensive coordinator. Uh And you know what? He won nine games over two years with the Cleveland bleeping Browns as a head coach. That seems a lot harder to replace as an offensive coordinator than Case Keenum's profile before he got here, where he was a backup for five years, had some starting experience, undrafted for a reason. Um... And and got into this great circumstance. I think it's easier, but not easy, but easier to find the next Case Keenum than the next really good offensive coordinator.
3: And I, I think the key thing is this system simply works; like it just works. And and I love these talks about okay, if if Pat leaves, are you going to promote Stefanski from QB's coach? And it's not that simple. I mean, Norv Turner, very respected, very respected for a long time. Mm-hmm gave us a view of what happens when when the coordinator and coach probably aren't on the same page. And that doesn't mean that Norv is bad, but think about all the things that we talked about and look back on now and say, look at, at how much more effective Shermer does a job of doing this than Norv did. So this whole thing of, okay, if Pat leaves the offense, no, it won't be fine. It might be fine, but settling on Shermer and finding him took a lot of work. And it's not as simple as saying, well, if you just bring all the offensive components back from the personnel standpoint, it's going to be fine. It is very difficult to find guys who are good at that job. That job is a ton of pressure, and that job can be very difficult. Yeah,
1: we've seen, I mean, you see the drop-offs. I mean, the Vikings have had drop-offs when Brian Billick left to go to Baltimore in the late 90s. You saw the drop-off from 98 to 99. They didn't score. They scored like 150 fewer points or something ridiculous the year after uh, Brian Billick left. Um, I would add this to the Pat Shermer side of it. That Arizona job is, you got good ownership, and you do have Patrick Peterson in his prime defensively, and Chandler Jones had like 17 or 18 sacks this season. So you've got some nice pieces to play with in Arizona, and David Johnson's going to come back. He missed almost the whole season with uh, with an injury. But you have no starting quarterback right now. You could, you could bring in Case Keenum, and you could draft somebody, but... No starting quarterback, mm-hmm. Larry Fitzgerald is in his mid 30s even though he caught 100 some passes yeah, he's this year. Still very effective. But he's not going to be around for a long time. Yep. And you know Adrian Peterson was your leading rusher although when David Johnson comes back that's going to change. And that division boy, Rams and Sean McVay, are you going to gamble that they're going to take a step back? It's, I think that that team is here to stay. Seahawks probably come back. Yeah, but they have Russell Wilson. So if, right, but I'm saying they're, they're good. Oh, you mean come back? They come back and bounce play bounce back. well. Yeah. Yes, they bounce back uh, after the year. Forty ers and uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, yep. and yeah. so that's a really, really hard division. And you are solidified in that number four spot right now. But it's not. A, it's not. You are not the Browns by any means. But that's and and you know if you get if that's the only offer, take the offer. Go be a head coach again. But that's a really, really tough job. It may be the toughest division in the NFL right now.
3: Does your gut tell tell you that Case comes back and and is a semblance of this guy next year? the guy that we've
1: seen it it all depends on like if you were to roll if if he you give me be a semblance of it if sure. you
3: were to roll the dice and and you were the Vikings would you sign him to
1: a th- a three-year contract Oh that's my not going to be cheap. I've already said I, I you know I I'll stand by what I said a couple weeks ago. I'm not going to pay Case Keenum franchise quarterback like three-year guaranteed money. I'm just not I'm, I I'm not going to get married to Case Keenum. I don't not, think not, they will. Not by when way. you can maybe I think date. I think you're right. If I could, if if I'm choosing between marrying Case Keenum or dating Teddy Bridgewater, and then something you know something else, maybe maybe Bradford's the backup. I don't know. Like we, I, I need to know more about his knee. But I just I feel really uncomfortable just putting a a bunch of stock into one pop up season. Mm-hmm. We've seen that play out. Brian Hoyer had a pop up season. Brock Osweiler had a pop up season. Case and people say, oh, Case Keenum's not in those categories. Look, Go look at Brian wow. Hoyer's one year with the Houston Texans. And that's, sometimes it just, you know what, a guy who is a backup has a really good season, and he can still prove it going forward, Yeah, but I need to see more before I get married to him for multiple years. If I can date him for one more year, oh, for sure. I'd for sure bring him back for another year, but I'm not sure if that's going to be an option because somebody's going to want him for like three or four oh, years. Oh, for sure.
3: And if Schirmer leaves here, I think it gets really sketchy. I mean, I... I I think Shermer has done as good of a job as we've seen in this town for, for that position in ages, in a long, long time. And I can't emphasize enough how difficult. As much as we as we dump on OCs when they do a poor job or, or we don't get it, when you go through an entire season basically questioning play calling, maybe maybe a handful of times or less, that's off the charts. And if he walks out of that building never to return. And Keenum's agent comes to me and says, okay, boys, it's uh, it's go time, three or four years, guaranteed money, big. I'm really skittish. I am really skittish. Because I think this whole thing, I think these guys a- as a whole have done a fantastic job, but if you start to remove pieces from that puzzle, I don't know. I, I can't see making an investment that's that big in a quarterback who's now go- going to lose the guy who is basically his guru.
1: Yeah, your options for next year at quarterback, it's it, well. There's three guys in house will be on that list. Alex Smith will be available. There's like Kirk Cousins will be available. You have to almost start with a blank slate, and then okay, if Pat Shermer takes a job, you can no longer recreate that same exact magic. It's gone. Like Pat Shermer's gone. Not saying that you can't get a competent offensive coordinator in, but you have to almost reset, we rethink. Agree. I agree with you. Yes. All right. I'm with you on this. Is Case Keenum the best guy to work with? What whatever this is going to be going forward, and the answer might be no. The, the answer might be Alex Smith. Mm-hmm. I know that's not a sexy name, and he's had a bunch of playoff failures. And I don't think he's going to be the guy. I think you are going to have to have defense lead you to a title sure. if Alex Smith is your quarterback too. And the Chiefs haven't the Chiefs haven't been able to put a great defense uh, to go along with uh, with their good offense. But with, game. with
3: Smith, you you wouldn't be stuck. See, that's my concern is is uh, Shermer leaves, Keenum signs for three or four years, and Keenum now comes back next year and starts to struggle. Well, now you're done. You, yeah. You're stuck there. So I guess my question becomes, can you get a quarterback in, in here who can operate this offense efficiently and you don't feel like you're stuck?
1: Yeah. All right, we, we could pose this to the audience, too. You know, what, what? before he plays a playoff game, and that'll factor into your decision-making to some degree, although I don't think it should be the be-all, end-all. He has a body of work in the regular season now that... Probably matters more than one playoff game. But what would, what what are your thoughts on Case Keenum for the future if you're a Vikings fan? Six five one six four six-eight two five five. Uh Matthew Collar will join us in about an hour from uh Winter Park. Rick Spielman has gone from hot seat to heralded in the NFL. We can get to that. And let's talk more about this Vikings window, since we're on the on the subject as well. Uh you know, if they let's say they get knocked out in the playoffs or this Sunday. How sure are we that there's an open window for multiple years? Let's go through some of that on Mackie and Judd here. Before we go anywhere with that big game coming up in a few weeks right in this town, there's a myth out there that you have to sell your house in the springtime because the springtime is when the market is at its best, right? That's when that's the best time to sell your your home, your condo, whatever it is that uh, that you're selling. Well, That's a myth for a reason because it's not necessarily true. And the Chris Lindahl team, which is the number one REMAX results team, is here to tell you that now is the time to sell your home. High demand and less competition in the weeks leading up to the big game or the weeks leading up to spring. The Chris Lindahl team sells a home every nine hours for over the MLS average. So they know what they're talking about. They're able to help you make big bucks on the sale of your home. And right now, today, the first two callers from 1500 ESPN from the Mackie and Judd show will get a free staging package to get your house ready to sell. That's a huge value. 763 401 sold. That's 763 401 sold. The Chris Lindahl team.
0: Mackie and Judd are back, back, back. on
1: 1500 ESPN
0: off your running season with 1500 espn at twin cities in motions hot dash 5k and 10 mile on saturday march 24th bring your lumberjack best to this minnesota themed event features a top 10 u.s post race beer garden live dj photo booth and activities for all ages plus hot dish and beer from summit brewing company registration is now open and all runners will receive the Storm Creek long sleeve quarter zip technical pullover details at 1500ESPN.com keyword events.
1: I always root for guys like that, you know, um, kind of the, the undersized guy, you know, coming out that, uh, you know, nobody wants to give him any credit. And, you know, just always plays with a chip on his shoulder. I mean, Casey's done a phenomenal job, phenomenal job. Um, been really happy for him, just, you know, knowing him a little bit and knowing the road that he's traveled. To get to where he is. Drew Brees on fellow short Texan quarterback uh, Drew Brees. Uh, or Case Keenum. i Case Keenum. I should say. He's not talking about himself. He's not that vain. He's not talking about himself. Um, how wide is this Vikings window if they don't cash in this year? Is it, oh my God. I mean, you definitely will have missed a golden opportunity to win the Super Bowl with the NFL's best defense. Mm-hmm. The good news for them is a lot of their key, pl- I mean, a lot of the key offensive players are really young, like in their mid-20s or Dalvin Cook got injured. He's going into his second year. Yep. And you've got a rookie center. You've got Riley Reef in his prime. So you've got a lot of your key offensive pieces are actually ready to, re- Stefan Diggs is not very old. What's he, 25 or something? But defensively, the, the same can be said. Eric Kendricks is 25. Harrison Smith is only 28. Anthony Barr, 25. Trey Wayne's 25. Linval's only 29. So I could keep going here. Uh, Xavier Rhodes. Everson Griffin's 30, but doesn't look like he's going to slow down in the next year or two. Mm -hmm. The only thing I would worry about, Judd, is you don't... It's pretty rare that a top defense remains the top defense for more than about one or two years at a time. Even the 2000 Baltimore Ravens, an all-time great defense... They dropped from 1st to 4th in scoring defense the year after they won the Super Bowl. And then the year after that, they dropped to 19th. And then they kind of went back up. But they were only that good one year. Right, The 1985 Bears defense was only that good for two years. Mm-hmm. And then they dipped to 4th. And then, then by the late 80s, they were like 20th in the league in scoring defense. Mm-hmm. Because to keep a defense at the absolute top of the mountain, you have to have 11 guys intact if one guy gets injured or old or or contracts and salary caps catch up. It's it's just it maybe it's not the worst defense, but it might be 5th and that might not be good enough to get to where you want to go. And the Vikings are number 1 right now with right, this collection. Right. Uh so in this sport the way it works to me is this. The the
3: window uh of the personnel on this team leaves it open to certainly have success in the coming years, let's say coming two years. Okay, I get that. But where this sport is is its own animal is you need luck and fortune. And that's what I'm telling you. Like, to come back in 2018 and expect that every one of these guys defensively is essentially going to not miss time is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. There is no way, as bad as, if if you want to appreciate how well things have gone for that team, for this team this year, look at 2016. Everything went wrong and you can have you can have the roster intact and you can have the personnel all right and all it takes is opening week next year Harrison Smith breaks something or Xavier Rhodes gets hurt. Mm-hmm. So so when I look at this roster I see the window being open for a few years to potential success but what we can't take for granted is the fact that everything has gone right and when defensively when you're this good and guys essentially don't miss time that's the thing that you can't assume is going to have happen in 2018 mm-hmm. or 19.
1: Yeah. As far as formulas go to win the Super Bowl, I mean, there's, there's two general formulas. Have a franchise or MVP caliber, Hall of Fame caliber quarterback that does a lot of the work. Like a Tom Brady or Peyton Manning or Aaron Rodgers, Ben Roethlisberger. And you still have to have some semblance of a good defense as well if you want to win the Super Bowl. Or... Put together the NFL's absolute best defense. Now, if you can do both, like the Cowboys did for a few years in the 90s, now you're talking dynasty. Uh, The Patriots have done that for multiple stretches where it's a top 10 defense and it's Tom Brady. In any individual year, like just in a vacuum, in any one year, if I had to choose a formula and I get the absolute best defense and then, you know, something offensively, whatever it is, maybe not a train wreck offensively, I would take that in any individual year and I'd go to war with it. Like, I would take this for the Vikings and go to war with it in any individual year, mm-hmm. but that formula is not as sustainable. Drew Brees is right. 15 years of, of at worst a seven and nine record, and uh, then when you get the defense, now you pop up. Like if if you're lucky enough to find that guy, it's a 15 year formula that just keeps you in contention at least, and at most you can win Super Bowls. Right. There is no such formula defensively. People are going to say, well, the Ravens, well, yeah, but the Ravens have had really good defenses in the Steelers for a long time. And there's the there's the outliers like the Steel Curtain defense or the Purple People Eaters, those generationally great defenses. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, it's two or three year blips with that formula. And then you have to kind of build it again.
3: But th- this goes back to the fact that, that Spielman, after Les got l- let go, Spielman realized, I can't find a quarterback. What can I do? And I think he said this. I think he said, okay, if we can't find Rodgers, Stafford, a guy like that at the time, what I'm going to do is I'm going to find a coach who can at least stop them. Now here's where, and this is also going to depend on how long Zimmer wants to continue to coach, but here's where it's interesting to me. Most times you look at a successful defense like this or offense, and, and if you're an opponent of the Vikings, you would spend the summer watching film and saying, how can I expose this? Where Zimmer is different and where he's very good is you will you will adjust to attack his defense, and he will adjust right back. He doesn't have just one system that works. And damn it, this works, and it's going to work until the, the day that six teams come back we play and beat you. us. Yeah. yeah, the 46 d- defense with the Bears. And that worked great until everybody said, "Oh, here's how you beat it." And then, and then once one team beats it, that's it. What was
1: the the formula to beat that defense? By the way, the four six.
3: It was I don't remember exactly, but Gary Fensick, I think were forty six, and he was the guy that they named the defense after. Not because he was great, but because he's the guy that that lined up in different places. And but basically, it came down to one team deducted it, and it started after that to snowball. My point being, where Zimmer gives you a chance for continued success if you have continued health is he'll adjust things. Mm -hmm. So you'll have teams come back now after the summer, having watched the Vikings a lot, and they will probably adjust and and exploit things. But Zimmer's smart enough to then come back and say, okay, I'm done doing that, I'll do this. That's the the thing that gives you a chance for continued success because there's not just one formula here that necessarily just works.
1: And I would say I agree in that Mike Zimmer, as long as he is the head coach of this team and the and the mastermind, you're always going to have, at worst, very good competitive defenses. But even with Mike Zimmer, you're not guaranteed to have the absolute oh, sure. best defense in the NFL. Yep, I agree. I think you have to have him in order to have a shot at having the best defense in the NFL. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, like if Harrison Smith were – if if he like blew his ACL and missed all of next year, let's that, say. That changes the whole dynamic. It would still be a top half of the league, maybe even a top 10 defense, because I have no doubt he could scheme around that to some degree. But it ain't going to be the best defense Correct. anymore. Just like Tom Brady can lose Rob Gronkowski for half the season and Julian Edelman and not really have a, an identifiable starting running back and this and that. And, and maybe it's not the best offense anymore, but mm-hmm. it's still going to be a top 10 offense because Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. I mean, Mike Zimmer kind of fills defensively that that type of role. like I'll, I'll scheme you guys to be top 10 no matter who's out there within reason. 2009
3: to 10 ta- taught us though. I mean
1: that was instructive
3: in the sense that that 2019 was so good and cr- granted it was not young. but they came back and they brought every starter back and we thought, you know what? you got a- another shot here and everything went wrong. That's the thing about this league. Everything can change really quickly and a lot can go wrong, and all of a sudden three guys get hurt, and all of a sudden two guys get in trouble, and that changes the entire dynamic. So the one thing that I would urge fans to appreciate is the fact that this has been a very stabilized year. And for this uh, team, that certainly has not always been the case, but that's my point with uh, with uh, Pat. When you look at the job that Schirmer has done, and you understand that he's probably going to be gone, but he has been magnificent. That's a huge deal. And like to just think, well, they they brought in the offensive pieces and those work. That's partially true, but they've also been orchestrated really, really well.
1: Uh, Loyalist near Tom Roller tweets into the show: You guys are giving no credit to a guy that has gone twelve and three. Last I checked, Shermer isn't on the field making these throws. Case Keenum saved our asses, and he's my quarterback. Tom. <laughs> to say that we haven't given Case Keenum credit in this conversation is ridiculous. But if the question is, who would you miss the most, Case Keenum or Pat Shermer, if both of them left for the Arizona Cardinals? Mm-hmm. I would miss Pat Shermer more than Case Keenum because I think he's a really, really good offensive coordinator who can take Case Keenum's and Nick Foles's and elevate their careers. I mean, Pat Shermer is going to help make Case Keenum up $50 million this offseason. He deserves credit for that.
3: I feel with Case, if you're not just all in, that you don't like him. and I don't, It's weird. And I don't get that. But, I mean, there's this, like, there's, like, these Keeniniums Kenin, who believe that you must be all in on Case. And if you don't, and if you dare talk about something else yeah, that might be a factor. Weird. I think if you went to Case... And you said let's sit down and talk about this what do you think I think he would truthfully say hey listen I played well but I've been propped up by lots of things that I didn't have previously yeah and and was 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 he ever as bad as he probably was at his worst probably not but the coaching might not have been great the personnel might have been lacking but this whole notion that if you have a conversation about would you sign Keenum to a three-year, multi-million dollar guaranteed cash up the wazoo contract, and people come back and say, you clearly don't like, I don't
1: understand that. Dude, he admitted, I believe it was NFL Network, I I heard this like late November or probably early December, and he referred to, someone asked him kind of the same thing, you know, what's the big difference here? And he said, I'm driving a Porsche. Not like, oh, I've got money and I'm driving a Porsche. He referred to the Vikings infrastructure and offense and then the defense that goes along with it as a Porsche. So even he is saying, yeah, there's a lot of other things that, that get credit here. But you're right, it's like if you don't if you don't take credit away from everyone else and hand deliver it to Case Keenum, then you can get out. Well, okay. Then don't I would flip it around and say, Don't disrespect Pat Shermer like that. Don't disrespect Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs and Rick Spielman for bringing in Riley Reef and Mike Remmers and drafting Pat Elfline. Yeah. Like you want like if, if you want to if criticize us for not giving Case Keenum full credit. I'd flip it around on you and say you're disrespecting every other piece to this puzzle by not acknowledging how many other factors are in play here. And my point
3: is appreciate the fact the entire thing is working so well. It's the entire thing. We we have become we become so convinced that offensive success is is the QB and that's it. And in some cases, that's entirely true, but not all. But we've become so convinced of that we forget about the fact that there's a ton of things that can make or break you offensively.
1: Yeah, it's almost like if you if you don't put Case Keenum in the same category as Tom Brady, mm-hmm. and Drew, if you think Case Keenum is Drew Brees, you're a moron. I'm, I'm sorry. Like, if you think Case Keenum is Drew Brees, you're a moron. He's had a very good season. Yes. That's what it is. He had the a very entire offense
3: has too, including yeah. the coordinator. So. It's that simple.
1: Let's play some audio. Dave has cut up some audio from Ryan Pasiga, the attorney for Reggie Lynch, who held an hour-long press conference yesterday. We're going to do our best when we come back. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgan.
2: They have completely gone off the deep end.
1: Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. All right, so this Reggie Lynch story. Reggie Lynch is, uh, is going through the process of appealing the two current open school investigations. The EOAA reports have recommended suspension and expulsion. So we've been covering this all week. Yesterday... Ryan Pasiga, the attorney for Reggie Lynch, held an hour-long press conference. I didn't watch the whole hour. Dave has cut up some of the audio. We've we've seen some of the quotes. During the hour, is it correct, Dave, that he actually paused at one point and asked the assembled media if he could just have a couple minutes to read through the documents because he hadn't really read through the documents yet?
0: Yeah, it was. I, and I don't know if it happened more than once, but at least the time I saw was about oh midway God. through. He was asked... You know, a series of specific questions, and a few times he said, look, you know, this is all coming flying at me. I've only been on the case for a little over 24 hours, blah, blah, blah. And he said, yes. Would you guys mind, you know, if we just pause here for a couple minutes, I'll look through the pertinent details here of everything I have, then I can answer that question.
1: Maybe you could look through the pertinent details before you speak to assembled media. Maybe even if you don't have enough time, you can maybe wait a day. To address the media, that's just some. I some
0: I get advice. if you're if you are Reggie Lynch's attorney, you probably have to get as out front of this as much as you can with story after story coming. But yeah, maybe a day. You got to have uh, your ducks well, in a row. I don't know. The
3: other thing too is I understand if you are if you want to be an advocate for your client. I completely get that. But I think if you need to uh, to uh, read the briefs, you might not want to go as hard as he
1: did. well, let's let's play some audio here. Uh, just to sum up what what the hour long presentation was about. He's vehemently defending his client, and Reggie Lynch is vehemently denying not only that sexual misconduct took place. he it's not about like, well, hey, we were listen, this was all consented to. Yes, we had sex, but it was consent. Reggie Lynch is saying, I never had sexual relations with either of these two women, which is kind of surprising in that you've got this wave of accusers and Reggie Lynch is saying, hey, I wasn't even, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm denying all this. Here's Ryan Pasiga. Reggie
2: Lynch categorically denies all of these allegations in both instances. He was already cleared once by the University of Minnesota, and I believe by law enforcement, on a prior allegation. I'm afraid because he's already been deprived of a fair investigation by virtue of evidence that can no longer be collected and tested in two different instances. Witnesses' memories fade. The university, despite it being a he said, she said, with no eyewitnesses and no forensic evidence says, well, we believe in a preponderance of the evidence that this happened.
1: So if if that was the end of the soundbites, I would say, you know what? I mean, you, I, I think all of us are sort of at this conflicting intersection of, hey, justice in America, whether it's through the legal system or in this case through uh, some sort of school justice system regarding a code of conduct, it's built on the idea that you must prove guilt, right? You're innocent until proven guilty. And I think those principles should apply to code of conduct investigations as well. So I, I if that was the end of the soundbites, I would say, you know what? Uh, but also, you know, we have— this epidemic in this country, and this movement, women are saying, "Hey, men have treated us horribly. Not all men, but some men have treated us horribly." And behind the scenes, all this is being brushed off, and we don't want it to be behind the scenes anymore. Mm-hmm. So there's an intersection of th- these horrible things are happening to women, but also you don't want to you don't want to just fillet men before. A process plays out, but and I think your, a lot of us are having trouble with that
3: intersection. To your point, though, pasiga was not done yet, and that's the issue.
1: And we've got the Me Too movement right now,
2: but I wonder, I wonder when, if ever, maybe we're going to come up with a "What About Me" movement? A hashtag "What About Me"?
1: I don't think we need to discredit the Me Too movement. That the Me Too movement, there, there. If it's a Venn diagram, the Me Too movement and the Reggie Lynch. Incidents definitely overlap, but to discredit the entire me too movement As you defend your client seems like a bit of a stretch.
3: What's the phrase? I'm thinking of is it sense of place or time and reading a room. I Don't think this is the time to go there
2: Not the perfect analogy, but it seems to me It's a little bit like where there was all of this hysteria when world war two started and we let's pause it there for a second
1: That's how we start bad sports takes. Listen, this isn't the perfect analogy, but let me tell you about Andrew Wiggins defensively, right? Well, he went down a different path.
2: Not the perfect analogy, but it seems to me it's a little bit like where there was all of this hysteria when World War II started and we had the Japanese internment camps and everybody rushed out of fear to do something like that. And we look back now and we think, oh my God, what were we doing? How wrong was that? To assume all of them... Guilty and a threat and everything else and lock them up and that's what we're going to do And it's a little bit like that right now. Yes. Is it is it as? Alarming no, so it's not a perfect analogy like I said But is the concern there that we're in this hysteria right now and we're like shoot first and ask questions later And we'll just deal with it. And so what so what if the Japanese American really wasn't a threat? Oh, well at least we felt better. We felt safer. I, I mean
1: you, if, if if you're if you're addressing assembled media with an when we're talking about a national profile case, and it enters your mind, this might not be a perfect analogy. You probably shouldn't deliver the analogy.
3: Do you have more quotes from from him,
1: or it, those are the four? Was we that right because
3: now. Ac- according to uh, Chad Graff's story in the Pioneer Press, the the bullet points that he had from Pasigo were that one. Criticized a Title IX protocols, bemoaned that the names of sexual assault accusers are kept secret, yeah. which are kept secret for a very good reason. I advocated for a shorter statute of limitations on reporting sexual assault, uh, and then the ones that you just played.
1: You know what? We would take your thoughts on this too. Six five one six four six eight two five five eight seven seven six one five fifteen hundred. I think a lot of people heard the the Japanese imprisonment. So this is you know, the beginning of World War II, and I think a lot of Americans, a lot of white Caucasian Americans looked around the country and, and, hey, we're at war with Japan. The Japanese just bombed Pearl Harbor. So every Japanese person walking around this country must also be on their side. And we overreacted. Um, I don't think anyone's advocating for every male person to be locked up. I get his point. We shouldn't. You know we shouldn't be filleting every just because there's an accusation right. doesn't mean that we should be rushing to a guilty judgment. Uh, this is a little bit different in that there's a lot of women claiming that hey Reggie Lynch has had some smoke around him going back to high school. Mm. So this is a more complicated situation. I just feel like you, he sabotaged his own his own narrative by bringing up things that are going right. to be inflammatory in the media.
3: You get his point, but the way that he went about making his point yeah, was a little over the top. Really poor. I've decided, and I'm not being flippant, I'm thinking of quitting this job and getting a new job. Judd Zolgad, press conference consultant, come to me before you hold your press conference. Mark Coyle, come to me. What do you think I should do? Okay, here's what we're going to do. And this is going to cost you $100,000, and it's going to take me 30 seconds. We're going to write an opening statement, Mark, and you're going to read that statement. And in that statement, you're going to say exactly what you can say. And you're going to say, there's a lot I can't say. I apologize for that. And you're going to have a powerful, powerful voice. But sexual assault is very serious, and at this school, we take it seriously. Ryan Pasiga, come to me.
1: What do you think? Although... he can't mention the sexual misconduct thing, uh, but yeah. You're,
3: but anyway, we take uh, we
1: take allegations very seriously. How's that? Yeah, sure. We
3: take our code of conduct exactly. very seriously. Ryan whatever. Pesiga, ask me what you th- what I think, Ryan. First of all, an hour is way too long. Second of all, show me any analogies that you're about to make because I'm going to line delete them for you.
1: Yeah, I see what you're going for here with the like rushing to put people uh, to like you know rushing to convict people. That's not. Yeah, that's not how this is going to be construed. It's all over dead spin today. Judd Zolget, press conference consultant. 651 646 8255. Jeff, you're on with Mackie and Judd. Good morning, gentlemen. What's up, Jeff?
4: Say, a couple things. Um, that was a terrible, That was a, just a dumb analogy. There's a thousand analogies you could have used other than that. That was just a, I mean, that was a really poor thing for him to say. Yeah. Um, here's the other thing, Alex. Say, you know, maybe Reggie should just leave. Um, and stop practicing with the team too, and because it seems to me what I've read—and correct me if I'm wrong—but the appeals process is going to probably take longer than the season anyway. There, thus, it might not, not be playing any more games with the
1: goal. I think I did see that they're going to try and so the football appeal process was within sixty days, and that was including holidays. Uh, I believe they're going to try and at least at least for the first case, they were going to try and hear it within thirty days. Which would put okay. us into February. So there is but that's case there wouldn't be not a second one. Yeah, there would be there so, would be a chance he could play in like late February, early March if you won both appeals. Yeah.
4: I mean I was I, I am gonna turn to a, a witty, funny quip and say maybe he should go to Lithuania and hook up with Lavar Ball and Lavar uh, Lamello and whatever the other kid's name is and play over there and get ready for the NBA draft or something. I, I just wonder I guess my thing kind of is is I Maybe Reggie should just leave the program and stop practicing with them too. Yeah. You know, of his own accord. Not from Patino or Coyle telling him to. Maybe, you know, just leave and take the heat off of you a little bit. Yeah, person, I think
1: for him, I don't think he's thanks, Jeff. We're gonna get to some other calls here. I don't I don't think first of all, Reggie Lynch is you have to put yourself in the shoes of all the stakeholders here. Reggie Lynch, whether he's lying or not, his stance on this is unequivocally this didn't happen in both of these. I find it hard to believe that he's just Unlucky and randomly getting accused of sexual misconduct multiple times sure. like that seems to be a stretch for me to believe that. Oh, my God. He's just the unluckiest guy ever. You know, he gets he meets these women at the bars and they're just out to, you know, get him suspended from the basketball. He's team. Bo- he
3: he is bound and de- determined in his mind to clear his name. And what Pasiga said was was weird and we didn't like it. But guess what? He's he's Lynch's guy. I mean. Lynch and his people would not have allowed Pasiga to hold that press conference unless they said do
1: that. So he's not leaving. We've had some really good calls on this all week long, and so we appreciate our audience and uh, and the comments you guys have have brought to the table. Jack and Mike and Mark, we'll get to you guys when we come back. We'd also love to hear a woman's perspective on this from the audience. So if there are women in the audience that want to chime in and feel comfortable, 651-646-8255. 877-615-1500. 877-615-1500. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. I don't get. Mackey and Judd. It's very, it's odd at times. On 1500 ESPN.
2: Reggie Lynch categorically denies all of these allegations in both instances. He was already cleared once by the University
1: of Minnesota, and I believe by law enforcement, on a prior allegation. It was Ryan Pasiga, the attorney for Reggie Lynch, uh, Lee Hutton was his attorney, I believe, for the criminal investigation a year and a half ago. Yes, that's but right. But this isn't a criminal investigation. Essentially, an attorney's role here would be, let's let's win these appeals. Let's <laughs> let's change the perception here and let's win the appeals so that right. you can go back to school and or you can go back to, to playing basketball. So we take some calls here. We got Jack. We got Mike. We got Mark. And uh, 651-646-8255 is the number if you want to chime in with your thoughts on the developing Reggie Lynch suspension. Jack, fire away. Jack, you there? Hello. All right, we'll put Jack on hold and try Mike. What's going on, Mike? You're on the show.
5: Good morning. Uh, hey, guys. The uh, question I've got is, uh, number one, in regards to the EOAA, uh, what's the makeup of that uh, board? Uh, how many people, uh, how many women, how many men? And then, uh, secondly, is, uh, is every university uh, uh, NCAA-bound uh, Title IX-wise, uh, uh, with something like this in the EOAA, or uh, is it just here at the U of M? The,
3: make, the makeup, I, I don't know exactly. It, it came out during the football investigation, and I want to say the head of the EOAA during the football investigation left the school shortly after that, that was done. Title IX, yes. I'm, I am willing to bet that every publicly funded school has has this. So yeah, I don't think that this is a question of uh, of athletes from the school being picked on. I think that this is across the board something that that each school has which by, by the way is fine. I mean they should. The diff- the difference in this entire thing that we've talked about a lot in the past going back to the football investigation is this too. This is not a criminal case. So like we're not Pasiga is not zealously defending Lynch in, in a criminal trial. So he's also working with standards that aren't the same as well. So, like, when he comes out and lashes out, that's fine. But to Phil's long time point, there is a code of conduct, and that's the key thing here. The, the key thing here is not the law. The key thing here is, what does that code of student conduct say? And And e- even though violating that might not rise to a criminal issue, it certainly can be an issue with what the school allows you to do and not to do.
1: Yeah. Uh, If you missed it last segment, here's more from Ryan Pasiga, the uh, attorney for Reggie Lynch.
2: I'm afraid because he's already been deprived of a fair investigation by virtue of evidence that can no longer be collected and tested in two different instances, witnesses' memories fade. The university, despite it being a he said, she said, with no eyewitnesses and no forensic evidence says, well, we believe in a preponderance of the evidence that this happened. And we've got the Me Too movement right now, but I wonder—I wonder when, if ever, maybe we're going to come up with a What About Me movement? A hashtag, What About Me?
1: Yeah, that's not going to. I mean, that's just—I ah, see his points here, but that's not going to land well, and nor has it the last twenty-four hours. Six five one six four six eight two five five. Mark, you're on with Mackie and Judd.
5: Hey guys, um, yeah, I, I watched that Ryan Pasiga. Uh, news conference yesterday watched it live and I just could not be any more disgusted with just the comments that he made like the stuff that he was saying during that press conference that is the stuff that leads women to not report these cases mm-hmm. I, I, I watched a movie um, a couple of years ago called hunting ground and it highlighted um, Jameis Winston actually and his um, accuser in that situation and the the statistics are just very startling with how many incidents are not reported and it's because of these high profile public cases where victims get shamed like this and in the public eye of saying you know like they they may not remember 18 months ago are you kidding me like in a horrific event like that and you're going to go with the motive of they may not remember these things it's just it's so hard to listen to that stuff, and then you wonder why that it's taken this long for so many women to come out in the Me Too movement is because of stuff like that.
1: Yeah, I think what makes it more complicated, thank you, Mark, uh, all of your thoughts are, are valid. We thank you for the phone call. What makes it even more complicated is oftentimes alcohol is involved, and so consent and memories get blurred. I had this discussion uh, last night with multiple women. I, was, I said, I'm going to ask you some some dumb questions about... Some of these cases like the Reggie Lynch case and college students and uh, when alcohol is involved, everyone's guard get let get you know the guard gets let down. and so there's some there's some cases where rape flat out occurs where a man takes full advantage of a woman and it's flat out rape and it's and 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 scumbags should be placed in jail for the rest of their lives. Then there's other gray area instances where there's a lot of alcohol involved and both parties have their guard down, and memories are foggy, and if both had been sober or one had been sober, actions wouldn't have been taken in the same way, or maybe consent in the moment of being inebriated wouldn't have been given in the same way, and that's where it gets really dicey. I don't know where this falls. Reggie Lynch is categorically denying, apparently, that any sexual contact took place, but there's so many allegations against him. He's not just unlucky. There's no way.
3: Here would be my question to Pasiga. What did you gain by saying what you said? What did you did? Did you exonerate your client? Well, they're going to have to. They're
1: going to have to build evidence. It's kind of backwards. Like I understand. They're going to have to but prove saying, innocence now. But
3: what I'm saying is, in the hour long press conference on Wednesday, what did you gain by doing that? Because as far as I can tell, the answer is nothing. Like nobody said, "Oh, you know what? Those are some really good points." What about us? You're yeah. right. So in the short term. That would be my question to him. What did you gain by doing what you did?
1: Uh, 651-646-8255. Here's what, actually, you know, there's one thing specifically, and it's the most important thing that Ryan Pasiga and Reggie Lynch are going to have to do over the coming weeks. And Tom, we'll get to your phone call first. Also, the Vikings may have just jinxed themselves. We'll get to that at some point. And Matthew Collard from Winter Park. Again, 651-646-8255 if you have thoughts on the Reggie Lynch developing situation.